All right, uh, good morning, afternoon, or evening, everybody. No matter um, the local time of your listening location, we hope that you're doing all right out there. Welcome to another episode of our collective podcast titled Haptics, How COVID-19 Has Touched All Aspects of Our Nonverbal Routines. My name is Robert Cruz, and I'm joined today virtually by my co-host and colleagues, Juan and Darius. How are the two of you doing so far this semester? Hey everyone, uh, my name is Juan Martinez. I'm doing fairly well. I personally want to thank you all for your continued support of our program. Uh, we're just about halfway through with this first semester of 2021. Um, like I mentioned earlier, things are going pretty well. You know, had some up and downs, but it'll work out. Um, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Uh, I think this is a very interesting and relevant topic. Hello everyone and Rob, and welcome to all of our listeners today. My name is Darius Jones, and it is a pleasure to be here with the two of you. I'm sure a year ago, none of us have imagined the situation that the coronavirus will bring for us, or the ultimate impacts that we could come to realize, but here we are. Spring break is around around the corner. So far, 2021 is treating me very well. I'm glad to still have my health. Yeah, it's great to hear that you're both doing well. Uh, So it's been just about a year since the coronavirus arrived here in Houston, and the past 12 months have certainly, for essentially everyone around the world, been a time of adjustment. We've had to develop new systems and behaviors in order to maintain a safe social distance from one another. Things such as um, remote learning, virtual conferences like we're engaged in today, and avoiding direct contact with those outside of our household have changed the ways in which we all uh, interact. So today, our podcast discussion surrounds the term haptics, specifically the extent to which the pandemic has altered the attitudes toward an application of haptics within our communities. Darius, can you tell us um, a little bit more? Yes, of course, Rob. Our textbook author, Jonathan Bowman, tells us how haptics are one of the most nonverbal codes that we as human beings have developed and used in our interactions. The reason that we have such a modification in haptics this year is because it has to, has to do with specifically with the effects of physical engagement through contact or touch, something that most of us actively avoid. I asked my best friend recently what they thought nonverbal haptics were, and they said something to do with the iPhone. He was kind of close, but not all the way there. Specifically, haptics are touches that can be defined as communication, including handshakes, hand-holding, kissing, you know, cheek, lip, hands, and or a handshake. Juan, have you spoken to anyone lately about the perceptions of physical conduct have been affected by COVID, whether that contact occurred by accident or was intentional? Um, no, yeah, actually, Darius, um, not that long ago, I was actually talking um, all of, about this to my friend over Zoom for the same reason that, you know, we couldn't be in the same room together. Um, and I was just curious about the possible effects that a prolonged absence of touch um, or use of haptics, haptics will have on our relationships, especially with like coworkers, classmates, friends and such, especially strangers, you know, concerts and all that stuff. Um, through some back and forth uh, conversation, uh, we coupled with reviewing, again, Bowman's text on haptics, um, we determined that the absence of physical contact and or the change of perception regarding it can ultimately result in both interpersonal and um, interpersonal conflicts. As for me, I really feel like the loss of touch might cause internal conflicts uh, with those who are used to being around others and they use that as a coping mechanism. I think some people run away from their problems and they just surround themselves with people. Um, And I think touch in those situations is very important. Um, I think, again, the sense of community and physical touch is very um, powerful to sustain our everyday life. Um, In the new world, we might walk into 
after this, after we all get vaccinated and stuff like that, um, this can still cause some issues with others, specifically if we no longer feel comfortable being touched or be so close around other people. Um, the way that we have socialized America um, in the places with heavy emphasis on these interactive and physical nonverbal cues, um, things like a handshake, a pat on the back, a hug, they all convey a certain connection and emotion. Um, so without being able to engage in this additional level of interchange for an, you know, X amount of time or until we figure this out, uh, there could be misinterpretations or, you know, they're more likely to occur in the future. Yeah, that's totally true, Juan. Um, I really agree with Bowman whenever <laughs> he says in the textbook um, or the early influences section of the textbook that, and he quotes here, touch causes people to feel connected to one another. And then he continues later with, touch is a significant social force. Positive casual touch can increase personal evaluations even among strangers end quote like you said um with the strangers part yeah no that's that again that's exactly what i mean um our use of haptics is it's very important because over the course of our lives we come to understand how to assign meaning to physical contact and actions with the specific situational context um directly between those two statements that you mentioned rob um i think he also says that i quote a lack of touch can serve as an indicator of emotional detachment um, so it is possible that this year, um, you know, this year plus of separation and social distancing will cause us to forget, you know, the meanings that we assign to certain haptics. That's an interesting question, Juan, and one that I think we'll provide an answer for. Guys, this sort of mutual understanding and the contextual cognitive, <clears throat> excuse me, cognition that both of you are talking about are the products of the unique socialization processes that all communities develop. From the time that we were born, we were constantly learning how to inter interpret the limitless relationships and interactions that surround us. Haptics is a part of culture by establishing relationships with individuals from the day of birth. It is essential to early childhood development. Like you mentioned earlier on, and I like that quote, touches, touch causes people to feel connected to one each other. And I feel like haptics is important just as if a high schooler, it's important for a high schooler to be in high school physically, you know, go through the, the steps of life of embarrassment, questions, and everything. I feel like that's the same thing, and it's very important to have, and it's very, um, it has a certain level of importance, you know, from, from a kid until, you know, early adult. While the meanings that we're assigned to a handshake, a push, a rubbing someone's knee are indeed culturally assigned, the term culture can be influenced by factors both large and small. For example, to observe different uh, differing culture frames, or of reference, you don't necessarily have to examine people from two different countries or continents. Some expositions, such as Corey Floyd's affection exchange theory, look into how individual family units of use of haptics can have lasting repercussions, such as how accepting the physical engagement one day be, may be as an adult influencing future expectations. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that where a lot of individual struggles are stemming from when it comes to the present need for social distancing, Darius is having to suppress their desires or rather their um, instilled inclinations, I guess, which attach great importance to the use of haptics. Certainly at the beginning of the pandemic and early last summer, but also stretching to now well into 2021, as we sort of transition into what many are referring to as a new normal, um, this correlation between the physical contact and the notion of connectedness that you've just stated is basically acquired through our learned experiences and co-constructed co realities. 
and we all know that unlearning something is much easier said than done. Yeah, no, sure. I, agree. I, I agree with that. Sure. So it's widely known that not all cultures place a high importance on the use of haptics when it comes to like platonic or sometimes even romantic relationships. But most cultures um, engage physically to some degree. Americans undoubtedly do. Uh, I've worked on my current unit in the hospital for like about four years now. And these 12 hour shifts in a team structured setting um, composed of people who are, you know, mostly similar age to me and share common interest has led to the development of some of my most valued friendships. I spoke with a few people that I work with the other day, reflecting on like what the unit was like a year ago before the pandemic hit. And one of my friends, Hannah, mentioned how we used to hug each other more. And she's right. She's right about that. And we sort of reminisced about when we would all gather for this 6.45 in the morning shift huddle. And there was just those few minutes before management began speaking when some people uh, would hug each other good morning, some would bump their hip into the other's hip as they walked up silently with their coffee. Uh, and others would like shake hands or rest their elbow on their neighbor's shoulder. So it's just like these small gestures and these nonverbal haptics are what Bowman details as ritualistic touch and positive effect or positive effect touch functions. So ritualistic because the action takes place as part of a routine behavior or a, what he calls a social script and positive effect because the behavioral contexts are understood as positive indicators of like a amity or fellowship. So together, however, they can be grouped as hybrid touch since they administer two functions simultaneously. Physical interaction between colleagues in the hospital setting is, you know, almost non-existent now. No, yeah, um, I definitely agree. And it's very inter interesting that you bring that specific example, Rob. Um, I was discussing with my brother about this whole thing as well and uh, what he thought about, you know, someone refraining from contact, even if the situation was appropriate or physical contact was, you know, warranted. He said that if they were on the receiving end of the circumstance, they would feel dismissed and sort of disrespective, you know, if they were coming from someone they were close to, you know, and although my brother did mention that since COVID, um, you know, it's still part of our daily lives. He's more understanding of their friends um, and, you know, refusals to go in for a hug um, or really just being, you know, close proximity for a really extended time. Mm -hmm. um, my reaction to some of these situation is different. You know, I'm not as, as affected by the decisions made by others uh, regarding our physical interactions. You know, sure, it might be slightly off-putting um, in the long, friend, you know, in a long time, uh, friend refused my friend shake, but ultimately that's their choice. Um, these perceptions of interactions may be developed over time um, from childhood. So much like how Darius explained uh, culture's impact on socialization, you know, the attachment theory gives insight to not only the possible cause of our, you know, polarized needs, but also how we defer in handling, you know, the rejection from, from others. Uh, one of the things that I found really interesting about attachment theory, you know, is just how it really supports this mindset, you know, that children should socialize um, and or be around at least one person outside of their, you know, their own household just to, re to really help their development. So, you know, you can imagine this new and whole generation of kids who were born sort of at the beginning of quarantine, you know, or, you know, early March last year. If their families and themselves are still in a strict quarantine, it's likely that they, do, they have not had that contact with anyone else in their first year, you know, which is really crazy to think that this person that needs 
contact is you know really not having it so you know ultimately i guess the implications of not using physical contact can even when deemed in appropriate time are subjective and situational you know dependent mm-hmm. that's a that's a good point one if two friends have known each other for a while and they understand their attachment style they're restricted or more conscious of their physical engagement what happens rob do you have an example from your job I mean, the hospital, I'm sure, has been more uncompromising during this pandemic than, say, the average public pop. Yeah. Excuse me, public population. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the people with established attachments cope with the cope with what is an essentially a reduction of haptics? Yeah, definitely, Darius. Um, since most most of us are unable to physically engage with one another, we've had to learn how to communicate and convey our emotions in different ways. Uh, this take this has taken shape in various forms. Like, for instance. It's become commonplace to replace a handshake with an elbow bump between people who know each other or are acquainted. I've seen other people have to supplement their engagement with like a sort of air hug, you know, or um, a more engrossing use of their oculistics. Humans are good at adapting though, and we've been doing it for a long, long time. Once two people or a group of people successfully attach a shared meaning to a certain behavior, the actual manner of expressing or communicating that message, you know, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I think that's very true. Um, I feel like people have been adapting to these kind of situations, you know, through history. You know, it's just it's just what we do. We're just humans and that's how we handle. Um, and not only regarding the big picture, but also on micro scales. Um, when we as individuals encounter new scenarios, uh, we tend to gather information through various means and, you know, encode it in a way that helps us in the future. You know, I don't, there's no doubt that this COVID pandemic has affected our, you know, typical practices. And right now, it's anyone's guess how long the changes caused by social distancing will last. You know, however, though, I think the main core component of communication is successfully conveying a message. So just because our use of haptics has been modified, um, I don't really think that that means that that doesn't mean that, you know, we're not effectively sending and receiving messages. It would be impossible or that it's impossible. Um, and well, I think that wraps it up for this episode, guys. Thank you, Darius. Thank you, Rob, for talking with me today. I really look forward to hearing from some of our classmates, you know, in their discussions with their experience and the way that COVID has affected them, especially haptics within their individual communities. Uh, until next time, we hope everyone has a good morning, evening, night or wherever you're listening from. All right, thank you.